degrees Celsius, the humidity 88%. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter is Rainbow Learn. Good morning, Rainbow. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about the structural safety of homes uh, built next to slopes in hilly areas. An upscale property on the Red Hill Peninsula in Taitam had to be evacuated following a landslide caused by the intense rainstorm on Thursday and Friday. Officials said one of two houses inspected was in immediate danger and that both had unauthorised alterations. Meanwhile, the persistent rain has continued to cause difficulties around the territory while Hong Kong seeks to return to normal. What do you make of this? Do we need to enhance our building code or strengthen enforcement? After 9.45, we'll learn more about a new cadetship pilot programme introduced by the Airport Authority's International Aviation Academy. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233-88266. That's 233-88266. Joining us now in our Admiralty studio, we have uh, Ian Brownlee, Managing Director of uh, the Planning Consultancy Master Plan Limited. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Ian Brownlee. Can you hear us over there? Yes, good morning. OK, thanks for joining us. And uh, also on the line, we have uh, Professor Young Yao. Uh, who is a Professor of Urban Studies and Housing Researcher at uh, Lingnan University and who also formerly uh, worked uh, in the Buildings Department. Um, um, Ian Brownlee, uh, if we can come to you first. Um, uh, so... Um, <clears throat> Um, in cases uh, like this, especially the one that we're seeing uh, with the, on the Red Hill Peninsula, um, um, how much of a problem uh, can these uh, unauthorised works uh, pose for building safety? Well, I, I think it's really interesting to look at what's happened in the last couple of weeks um, with uh, the black rainstorm warning and, and the, the effects of, uh, of the, the rain, the very heavy rain. And also the impact of um, Typhoon Saola, which mm. again raised a whole lot of other questions. And, and a lot of these things have to be looked at in terms of what, what was happening generally. And um, sure, there's, there's an issue here regarding some buildings at, um, at Red Hill. But if you look at the overall context, um, what was happening in the southern part of Hong Kong Island, for instance, and um, what was happening in relation to these three houses was really nothing compared to what was happening elsewhere at Sheko and, and along the southern part of the island. And it, the, the whole um, context is really determined by uh, what... What has happened since the um, typhoons of Hato and Mangut in, in 2017 and 2018? Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, um, the government has initiated studies to look at the impacts of severe storms and particularly to look at the impact of this in the context of, of climate change and global warming. And the whole of this process, is there's a consistency um, in the approach that's been taken in that we're going to get more storms of high intensity and storms that we were expecting to get once every 100 years. If we look at um, 
Hato and, and uh, Sato and, and Mangkut, they've all occurred within six years. So the whole of, of the context for planning and designing um, mitigation works, safety works, we look at roads, we look at the drainage, um, we look at uh, waterfront sites, and, and the whole of this context has been changed by what's happening um, in nature. And this, as you can see in the last, um, the last su northern summer, this is not just happening here, it's happening everywhere. So the situation at Red Hill relates to a very, very small portion of the context which in which Hong Kong has had to deal with this changing situation regarding um, climate change in the last um, two to three years. And the study that the government finished recently in 2022 has, has have provided new criteria in which we should look at these things. But So that's a general context. Um, perhaps, perhaps Professor Yao would be the, the mm. better one to talk about this particular situation at uh, Red Hill because I'm a town player, I'm a, a generalist, I'm not yes. an expert yes, in, sure, in this yeah, as well, yeah, but yeah, I understand. have a real interest in the impact of, of climate change and, the, and the, the, the storms that we're getting. Yeah, absolutely. And we have been warned by climate scientists that we're going to expect uh, more and more extreme weather conditions uh, as uh, you know, global warming um, becomes um, more and more of a problem. But uh, uh, Professor Yao, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Jane. Um, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Um, so, uh, obviously, uh, Hong Kong being a, quite a mountainous place uh, with lots of slopes uh, uh, has, has always been vulnerable to, uh, to landslides. Uh, uh, th thankfully, uh, these days, uh, the seriousness of these events is uh, a lot less than it was uh, going, going back a few decades. But uh, um, what, what lessons do you think we may have learned from the events of the past few days and, and indeed, over the past uh, five years, as uh, Ian Brownlee was uh, saying, since uh, Typhoon Mankut in 2018. Yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, Ian actually. So uh, I think after the typhoon, okay, so uh, years ago, so the government actually has done uh, uh, quite a lot, okay, so to prepare for uh, so uh, there's some uh, uh, more, okay, so and uh, natural disasters, okay, in the uh, bigger scale, okay, in the coming years. So, but I, I would say, okay, so uh, this uh, uh, Red Hill uh, event or incident actually so reveals and the questions and the problems that, okay, so uh, when we look at into the, uh, uh, the, the, for example, the heavy rainfall and all also the uh, the uh, the landslide issue together with the uh, building safety. So it seems that okay, this time okay, uh, we we find that okay, so there are some. Uh, Building developments in Hong Kong, okay, particularly those, okay, low-rise building, building on the hillside. Actually, there are some issues, okay, that will affect, okay, so the uh, integrity or stability of the, okay, natural slope in Hong Kong. Let's say, okay, in in the current case, okay, so uh, there are suspected uh, issues of the enterprise, okay, uh, basement or enterprise alterations of the buildings that actually are affecting the slope. I, I would say, okay, so uh, this uh, episode actually so uh, unveils, okay, the uh, there's some okay issues regarding the enforcement or even identification of this kind of unfrozen building worlds, okay, in low-rise building in Hong Kong. 
And that actually, okay, is a, a very critical issue that, okay, uh, I think the government should pay attention to because, okay, uh, I would say, okay, so given that, okay, so there would be a higher occurrence of the, or more occurrence of the, okay, so-called extreme weather conditions in Hong Kong. So I would say, okay, so uh, other than, okay, so the uh, red hill uh, case, so uh, yesterday we have another rain, uh, heavy rainfall in um, uh, Saikong. And there's another landslide, okay, in Saikong. So mm-hmm. I, I would say, okay, uh, similar situations, okay, will happen more frequently in the future. So that's why I would say, okay, so other than just, okay, looking, okay, uh, into the overall planning of Hong Kong, okay, uh, to, to make Hong Kong more so-called the climate resilient, okay, so I, I would say, okay, this is another and also other issues regarding the building safety, okay, uh, so the government need to do more, okay, on that particular aspect. Um, Professor Yong, um, you're quite right that, you know, and Ian as well, last week's weather conditions totally exposed um, um, the, the, you know, the the, uh, building, um, uh, the the Red Hill situation, the building construction that we saw, um, illegal construction that we saw. Uh, But Mm. the illegal construction itself contributed, you know, to what we're seeing now, the the, the landslide condition. I heard that um, one of the houses had cut into a retaining wall, thus weakening that structure. So, so, so why is this happening? You know, why does it, why do we need, you know, bad weather conditions to throw this up? Why, Why are we not, you know, why, why is this continuing? I seem to be hearing about this every other month or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, okay, so uh, so when we talk about, okay, so uh, development on the hillside in Hong Kong, so we, ha- we have a lot of, okay, this type of development because, okay, of the uh, 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 the situation, special geographical situation in Hong Kong, okay, so we have very hilly, okay, uh, terrains, okay, so that's why, okay, so uh, we, we cannot actually get rid of this type of development. But the problem is that, okay, so in Hong Kong, somehow, okay, so uh, so the ownership and also the management or the so-called maintenance okay, responsibility of the stop, okay, so based on, okay, different, okay, entities, okay, just like the case, okay, in uh, uh, Red Hill, okay, so uh, the site, okay, uh, where the building is actually is located is a private, uh, privately owned, okay, uh, land, but uh, the slope, okay, is a government land. But the according uh, uh, to the uh, uh, land is okay, so the the owners okay should be responsible for okay uh, the maintenance of the stock, okay. But the issue is that uh, the government is the owner of the land, uh, and it seems that now okay, so uh, someone actually has built over or have uh, 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 unauthorized uh, or so called uh, illegally used okay the land okay for some some type of okay uh, uh, construction works okay, so. Uh, but it seems that the government, okay, I don't know whether, okay, so the government actually okay, uh, 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 have got a notice of that, or, okay, if, if yes, okay, why the government actually hasn't, okay, taken action. So I, I would say, okay, so the government, as the owner of the slope, okay, will also have the uh, responsibility to make sure that the slope, okay, uh, will be actually kept in uh very good, okay, conditions, okay, it's not, okay, actually, okay, uh, affected by any any illegal alterations. So uh, I would say this is actually not the, uh, uh, the uh, something new, okay, in Hong Kong. So we have uh, actually a lot of uh, different um, issues of, okay, um, unauthorized use of the government land, okay, in Shai Kong, in many other, okay, so-called uh, rural areas, okay. So, um, 
but it seems that okay, so we we have these issues okay for 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 over decades okay, but uh, the government actually okay hasn't hasn't paid attention or take any okay bold and determined actions to to deal with the issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when this uh, issues like this uh, do come up, uh, there is always the question of enforcement. Um, um, <clears throat> Ian Brownlee, uh, what do you think about that? Do we need a, a stricter enforcement regime? Or, I mean, I mean, presumably, if, you, if you're if you're digging out uh, uh, an unauthorized basement, then um, somebody's going to somebody must notice, surely. I mean, well, it's it's really really interesting because. Um, if you go through the submission process to the buildings department, uh, which is the, the legal process to get approval to build the swimming pool or whatever they built, um, then they'd find that basically it would appear as if what they built was inadequate. It was in the wrong place and it wasn't adequately supported by the slopes in the area. So um, if you go through the process, there's, there's not a particular problem. The other thing is that Let's look at the, the priorities. This small um, landslip at the base of three private properties had no real public consequences. But if you look at what happened on uh, Sheko Road and on Titan Road, um, the landslips that occurred in those locations had direct public consequence because blocked, blocked off the whole community. Blocked off the whole road. Mm. They couldn't get in and out of Stanley mm. and so mm. on. So if, if you are looking at the priorities, and, and, and the government has had a very good um, slope protection and, and program, which has started in the 70s when there was a massive landslip in, in the mid-levels and, and a building block fell down the slope. And since then, government has consistently had a process of, of trying to protect um, people from the slopes. And some slopes are private slopes and some slopes are public slopes. And it, it would seem that in this case, the uh, owners of the buildings probably had some responsibility for the slopes beneath their building as well. But if we look at the amount of money and the priorities that governments should spend, then, then the public ones are, are more significant. And, and I think it's actually been um, amazing in the last, say, 15 to 20 years is the, the lack of um, slope failure that's had a big public consequence in, in terms of loss of life. And the approach that they, they take is to, um, they've given a priority to those slopes which are going to have the, the biggest impact on, on public um, life or, or, or public facilities, and and they will spend money as low as to get a, a to a level which is called as low as reasonably practical. So they won't spend money on things that don't have uh, a great public interest. The, the less of the public benefit, the less money they will spend on them, and, and that's a reasonable approach. But but if if I was to look at the the southern district, the problems haven't been addressed in relation to the public consequences. And, and we, we should be looking at um, these old, um, almost rural roads that we've still got left and, and, uh, between Stanley and Repulse Bay. Um, if we look at, for instance, the, the road from Repulse Bay up to the top of Wangnichong Gap, the, that was upgraded probably 20 years ago. And if you come around the corner and you go to Repulse Bay and you're looking at uh, the road that connects up to uh, Chungam Kok and you look further on um, around Tai Tam, those roads are substandard in every, every way. The government spent a lot of money 
on on repairing or, or stabilizing some of the slopes along those roads, and, and it'd be interesting to see how effective that's been. But in the end, they, those roads didn't meet the requirements of a safe public transport route or, or, or a, a safe route for anyone to use. And this is um, something that government's known about for quite a long time because when they were selling sites uh, for development out near Standing Fort, um, groups of the public objected to that because of the consequences on traffic impact of people, more people coming and going to that area along substandard roads. And the answer from government was that we're, we're doing retention works on the existing slopes and we don't need to improve the quality or the width of the roads because... Uh, we don't need to provide footpaths. We don't need to provide additional space for cyclists. And we don't really need to um, look at congestion because all of the junctions in the area are adequate. So if you look at that as a priority, that priority is so much more significant than the slopes that were at the base of these three um, residential buildings. So when you say substandard roads, you mean uh, too narrow uh, no room for pedestrians, no cycle lanes. Yeah, and, and out of, they're out of date in terms mm. of their standards. For instance, since the 2002 study that was done by government looking at the impact of storms, particularly on waterfronts, but general assumptions that were made, drainage services department and geotechnical engineering offices have completely increased the requirements for their standards so that the modern standards are so much higher than the standards for the slopes and the road formation and the drainage provision that is provided in these, in these other small, um, smaller roads. So that's, that's, you know, we're now having to catch up. The modern standards are based on predictions for the next up to 2050. Uh, and we're, these roads are built on something in the 50s. Okay, well, 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 let's ask Professor Yao about that as well, because uh, um, these roads do go through mountainous areas. Uh, um, I, you know, I can think of places where there, you know, there is like sheer sides, sheer rock sides. Uh, um, I mean, it would be quite a big job to widen those roads in certain places, wouldn't it? Yeah, certainly, actually. So, uh, uh, so there will be some kind of uh, technical complexity. But I would say that okay, so uh, uh, it is not okay, totally impossible. But 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 okay, it is a, just a matter of the okay cost. Okay, but but but, but what okay? So uh, uh, Ian just mentioned is that okay? So uh, somehow okay? So uh, the road okay actually uh, was built and design was built and, and, and built okay uh, many years ago okay so that's why okay uh, uh, maybe okay uh, it was okay uh, up to standard okay at that time but okay now okay because of the okay changing okay uh, uh, society or, or because of the okay change in the population so that's why okay so uh, okay okay the role okay may not be okay so up to standard or cannot fulfill okay so the current functionality of the of the of the uh, areas so I, I would say okay so uh, okay uh, actually so uh, so when we talk about the design of the roads and or also okay so uh, the uh, the technical standard of the uh, uh, of the slope okay so the design standard of the slope okay so I would say the government actually need to okay review okay those guidelines design guidelines okay standards because uh, it seems to me that okay let's say okay for the slope okay so uh, the uh, C4 engineering and and and, and uh, development uh, department actually the issue Okay, so the uh, geotechnical manual for slope, but uh, although I know, okay, so the manual actually has been updated, okay, but 
in a rather piecemeal manner, okay, from time to time. So, uh, so the basic, okay, design principle is actually quite outdated, okay. So that's why I would say, okay, uh, it, it is really doubtful whether, okay, the design standard of the slope today, okay, so uh, set out in the menu is relevant for withstanding the extreme weather facing us today. So uh, I, I would say, okay, this is something that okay, the government may need to, okay, uh, consider, okay, to review. Okay. Ian had mentioned a government study that was carried out in 2022. What was that? Um, it was a study on coastal hazards under climate change, extreme weather and formulation of improvement measures. It was carried out uh, for the Civil Engineering Department. And um, based on that, um, a, a lot of the background work, uh, which is consistent across um, all of the, the approaches now, is that they make predictions as to what is the likely impact of climate change um, on things like the occurrence of 100-year uh, storms. Um, the storms that we've seen were 100-year storms, but they're now appearing in five. So what would a 100-year storm be? And that's usually the design storm that they would look at. Um, the tidal um, uh, surges and that with a storm, they've all changed. The actual height of the... Um, of the normal tides uh, are getting higher. So if you put all of these things together, um, you look at a, a situation which is different from that which has been the design basis up to um, 20, uh, 2000, basically. So if you look at the overall impact of, of those criteria and you look at the likely impact on the city, and that's something which, as the planners, we're looking at, how do we mitigate these impacts? And the outcome of the predicted outcome is that it's not the people in Red Hill that are going to be in problems. It's the whole of Sham Shui Po, um, Yamade, that area. The, the area of the, the lowest um, income groups is going to be the highest impact. And if we look ahead um, at those areas, uh, what are we doing to protect those areas? And it's really difficult because the fundamental thing is because the storms are getting bigger, the rainfall's getting heavier, which means there's more flow. But at the same time, the sea levels are getting higher. So the drainage becomes a particular issue. And, and, and if we look at what happened, for instance, in Wan Chai, um, there, there were many roads in Wan Chai and were flooded. And, and this is quite unusual. In fact, we, we have an enormous big... Um, storage tank under the Happy Valley Racecourse uh, area, which um, is, is state-of-the-art. And, and it would be really interesting to see what happened um, in that process because part of the idea of putting that in was to protect the areas and the lower areas at one Chai. And, and we have a, a general standard that if, if we get a formation level of around 5 to 5.5 metres, it's going to be relatively safe. But these older areas are all at, a, at about four meters. So they become an area uh, of, of low, easy access for water, whether it's coming from the rain or from the, from the sea. Mm. So, it, it, I mean, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm not an engineer and I'm not a scientist, but the, the basis for it is absolutely fascinating. And as planners, we've got to look, okay, we shouldn't be putting people in those situations where there is a high level of risk. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, Ian Browley, uh, stick with us. Uh, uh, Professor Young, uh, would you just uh, like to respond to that? I know you have to leave at, at nine thirty. 
Oh yeah, actually, so uh, uh, so the the report okay just mentioned by Ian okay is more about the uh, the coastal line and also the uh, coastal facilities okay. But 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 actually, so uh, it is very interesting okay to see okay so uh, okay so whether okay the government can do something okay similar for the slope safety or other aspect. Okay, so talking about okay so uh, the uh, the case in Wan Chai yeah so uh, so. So yes, we know. Okay, we have a rather new. Okay, underground stormwater storage uh, system. Okay, in uh, Happy Valley. Okay, uh, and also okay, we have a similar system in uh, Shakit May. Okay, near Taihantong. Okay, but uh, I would say the outcomes are. Uh, uh, quite 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 different. Okay, okay. Uh, under the this uh, the the last heavy rain. Okay, uh, we 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 can see. Okay, so okay, what happens? Okay, so uh, in this uh, uh, event, but 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 but, but talking about. Okay, so um, uh, there's some issues regarding the building safety, uh, building design standard. Okay, so because okay, so uh, it seems that the current uh, uh, buildings ordinance and also the regulations. Okay, uh, uh, focus more on the safety and then the health of the the occupants rather than okay so uh, uh, some other aspect okay for example okay when we talk about okay so we have uh, more uh, heavy rainfalls okay uh, in the in the, in the futures okay so that's why we may need to okay consider okay so if there is any special um, uh, uh, building design requirements for the basement development because okay we are getting more and more basement development in Hong Kong and at the same time okay we have more underground infrastructure okay like the MTL stations so that's why okay so we we need to okay up, up, update our standards okay for the design of this kind of facilities for example let's say okay so whether there's any need okay for the basement to have the uh, floodgate or, or or okay so if uh, we need to okay actually provide okay uh, water pumps for the basement in case there's flood okay coming in so that's why we can actually pump the water out Okay. So we, we need to, okay, so uh, have a review of all these, okay, regulation and design standards. Mm. All right. Thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, on this morning's programme. That was uh, Professor Yang Yao, uh, Professor of Urban Studies and Housing Researcher at Lingnan University. Um, a quick look at the weather before we have a, a new summary and a couple of government announcements. Uh, sunny intervals today, a few showers. Showers will be heavier at times in some areas. The outlook, uh, a few showers and sunny intervals in the next couple of days. Occasional showers in the latter part of this week. It's currently 27 degrees, humidity 87%. New summary with Barry O'Rourke. Police have arrested a man on suspicion of robbing a luxury goods store in Jim Sa Choi yesterday afternoon. Officers say three men staged the armed robbery at the store on Canton Road at around four o'clock, stealing watches worth nearly four million dollars before fleeing in a car. Police say the number of young people arrested surged in the first half of the year, with officers pledging to step up efforts to educate Hong Kong's youth about crime. More than 1,500 people aged between 10 and 20 were held in the six months to June, an increase of almost a quarter on the same period last year. And the Kremlin has confirmed that the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, will travel to Russia in the coming days. It'll be his first visit abroad for four years. We'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. Seniors, good news. The Elderly Healthcare Voucher Scheme has been extended to cover four new categories of healthcare professionals. Eligible spouses who reach 65 years old can share use each other's healthcare vouchers when their own have been used up. 
When you want to use the healthcare vouchers, go with your spouse to link up your accounts together. Seniors, go tell your spouse. I will too. A positive attitude among citizens and government departments fosters the constructive handling of complaints. The Ombudsman promotes synergy between citizens, the government, and itself to enhance the quality of public administration. The Ombudsman carries out independent and impartial investigations to make a more efficient, open, and accountable public administration, which is conducive to the well-being of our community. Positive complaint culture for better administration. Office of the Ombudsman. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on two double three double eight two double six and have your say. And welcome back to Backchat with uh, Rainbow Lung and me, Jim Gould. And we're going to uh, continue our discussion about the structural safety of uh, homes, particularly those uh, built next to slopes in uh, hilly areas uh, of the territory. Um, this uh, obviously highlighted by the uh, incident on the Red Hill Peninsula in Taitan, where uh, one house had to be evacuated. Uh, that was after a landslide caused by the intense uh, rainstorm last week on Thursday and Friday, and t- two of the properties it and a neighbouring property were found to have unauthorised uh, structures uh, in the basement. Um, we're, we, we have with us uh, Ian Brownlee, who's Managing Director of the Planning Consultancy Master Plan. Also joining us on the line is uh, Raymond Chan, who's a registered uh, professional surveyor and uh, inspector of, uh, with uh, Raymond Chan Surveyors Limited. Um, Mr Chan, good morning to you. Morning. Thanks very much uh, for joining us. Uh, so uh, I guess uh, one of the questions that this uh, Red Hill case has raised is um, um, how widespread do we think uh, such uh, structures, such uh, authorised alterations may be? Uh, actually, I haven't been to the premises inside and uh, just at on the total cost checker on the other side. Uh, I can uh, see that... Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry to interrupt you there, uh, Mr. Chen. Um, uh, it's not a very good connection. We're going to try and uh, reconnect with you. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, and 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 just while we do that, um, I have a couple of emails here actually from uh, uh, listeners. Uh, so, Housing Estate Brett writes uh, says. Uh, um, <clears throat> Uh, how many unauthorised works were found after the Coatwall Road incident? I believe that's a reference to what happened uh, in the 1970s, I think, when the, yes. when the, the uh, housing block was uh, uh, badly affected by a landslide. Um, it says, uh, the root issue is building uh, anything on a slope, whether it be a small house, terraced house, block of flats, or simply uh, cut back a slope in order to build something. Uh, what were we able to get away with before? What we were able to get away with before is no longer the case. The continued lack of enforcement of building works is another matter uh, whose root issue is the same one, and that is why there was still uh, so much debris still on the roads from uh, the recent typhoon, which then got washed into drainage works, and that for some reason uh, for kept getting blocked up if they were uh, ever really clear to begin with. Uh, thank you. That from Brett. Uh, Mike writes, uh, let's bring up the old whipping boy, global warming, whenever a weather event happens. Give me a break. That says uh, that from uh, Mike. Uh, th- uh, we, we might have uh, Raymond Chan back. Uh, Mr Chan, are you back yeah. with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Sorry. Yeah, what, uh, what were you saying before? Yeah, uh, 
now looking from the uh, outside, I look forward uh, for the photograph taken uh, and published on the newspapers. Uh, and also I studied the original design of the, of the houses in Wall. Uh, I find that um, in original design it should be low basement. And uh, so anything beyond the, the first level, the building, uh, should be analyzed to the work. And it appears to me that a quite extensive uh, uh, area of basin has excavated. And that uh, actually, I think, uh, affects the stability of the slope and, and the building itself. And uh, because the building itself is not uh, built on a big house, uh, it is just uh, on some uh, and uh, I'm taking these conditions because uh, it's that easy. That is why it is so easy. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> the the idea of uh, of uh, Unauthorized basements is perhaps a, a bit of a new one to us. I mean, I mean, when people think about uh, illegal structures, it's usually on the roof of, uh, of village houses and in the new territories and, and what have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the, this unauthorized basement uh, uh, issue didn't really come to light until uh, 2012, and the uh, the case involving uh, Henry Tang when he was a chief executive candidate. So it's, uh, um, what, what what do you know about that? Is is this is this um, a big problem around the territory? Uh, in fact, unauthorized basement is quite unique, and it is. Uh, only applicable to uh, individual uh, houses uh, or the ground floor. But uh, usually in multi-story building, even the ground floor, uh, they may be sitting on some uh, very deep foundation. And it's, it's quite difficult to, to take uh, un, uh, underneath it. And, uh, but for uh, simple houses, uh, they are quite on quite shallow foundations and uh, also it is uh, exclusive to, to outsiders, and so they can quite easily. And I find that it's quite a common uh, problem here in Hong Kong. Uh, I think uh, many of the houses, if not most, many of those uh, houses have uh, unauthorized the basement to a certain extent. So, so, so why are we not? Why is the government not doing more to uh, find? You know, find out. Find these out. Don't they have the power to carry out inspections for illegal construction? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, the, the buildings department has uh, the power to inspect. But uh, those houses, uh, as I mentioned before, they are quite exclusive to outsiders. Uh, they, they are only occupied by one single family. So there's uh, no common passage, and uh, actually, uh, you need to get access into the inside uh, of the house to be able to uh, find out those uh, illegal, uh, unauthorized building work. And maybe even you are in the house, uh, the unauthorized building work may be uh, having some form of uh, uh, decorative, decorated uh, entrances that maybe you, you see some spy uh, movies that uh, the entrances may not be easy to find by outsider. And uh, of course, the uh, uh, building authority has the power to uh, apply to the court for uh, an order to enter 
uh, any building for inspection. But that uh, power is uh, not uh, used it too often, too often, because uh, it causes some destruction, uh, disturbance to the to the occupants, and only in cases they find that uh, there are potential danger, uh, obvious potential danger, then they will uh, apply for such court order. If not, they just uh, a routine inspection uh, that usually will not be uh, taken. Um, Ian Brownlee, um, what about that point that our uh, listener Brett uh, made in an email just now? I mean, uh, he, he thinks uh, uh, there's a problem building anything on or close to a slope. Well, obviously there's a risk, um, but the, if you design it in accordance with the government requirements, um, then the, the risk is, is reduced significantly. And, and basically, anything that's built on a slope um, has usually got the foundations for the building in, in the, the rock. It's not, a founda- not just built on the slope with the uh, degenerated granite on the mm-hmm. top. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's superficial. So the buildings themselves would be supported in solid uh, foundations. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other types of um, slope re- problems, which we've seen over the um, intense rain, are basically those relating to areas where the amount of water in the slope has got so great that it cannot be um, sustained. So as a matter of um, physics, I suppose, it slides down the slope. Mm. But where those are generally um, of a private nature or in areas which are isolated, not occupied, they don't have any consequence. And, and if you, you look, at, and I'll take a, have a go at Mike who said global warming, the whipping boy, mm. um, if we look around the world in this last summer, even if it's not global warming, the situation has changed significantly, and, and we talk about resilience in cities, and that relates to floods, it relates to um, storm impact, it relates to, to things such as the, um, the slopes that are slipping. And if we look at places like, like Florida, which has similar uh, types of storms to what we do, I think it's absolutely incredible. We've got now to a situation in Hong Kong where the, the impact of this type of storm has very, very little impact on the city operation. And one of the measures that came out of the the 2022 study was early warnings help people get prepared better. And I think we've seen that in the last... um, Last typhoon and rainstorm, probably more difficult with the rainstorm, but with the typhoon, we knew in advance when a number uh, eight or number nine or number 10 signal, we knew in advance that they were coming and we were able to prepare for them. And the consequences in terms of loss of life and things like that, damage to structures and the structures are meeting the requirements mean there's very little damage to buildings. Um, all, all of these show that our city is pretty resilient to what's happening and then we get this extreme event with the black rainstorm and and suddenly this is going beyond the design standards going beyond the things that we've implemented such as the um, the storage systems in Happy Valley and, and Shekhep May um, it would be interesting to see what the impact of this is so we're getting these Events, even if you don't want to put it in the context of a, a general global warming or climate change, we're getting different types and more severe events in different places around the world that have an impact. 
and and I think um, Hong Kong's experience since um, the Copal Road um, uh, slope uh, failure and and the typhoon experiences over the years, we've now got to a stage where we're we're actually able to operate pretty effectively in a, in an extreme situation. But mm. the problem is. <laughs> What's going to happen uh, in the next uh, up to 2050, which is basically a thing that we have to measure. And we can physically measure these changes, every storm, every, you know, the amount of data that's coming in. We're getting into a situation where we can look at these things. And if we have to go back and say, OK, we have to increase our stru- the, the design of the structures, we have to be more uh, diligent in enforcing compliance with regulations that are safety based. Then, then maybe we have to change things. But it's not consistent. Um, nature is changing all the time, and we have to you know, look at what's happening, and we have to prepare and predict for what's going to happen in the future. Mm. Professor Yong. Um, I, I, think, I think Professor Yong, um, yeah, I, th- I think he's gone. Actually. No, 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 but he raised an interesting oh, point yeah, that um, before the news that, um, that there was a need. He felt that there was a need to update building standards um, not least to um, to take into account future worsening worsening weather conditions. Uh, what what are your, your views on that? Um, I, I think um, yes, definitely a constant uh, upgrading is necessary. But what has happened since this 2022 study is that there have been in the significant things like the the, the designs of slopes safety, the um, waterfront um, protection, um, the drainage services requirements uh, and, and regarding the size and capacity of stormwater drainage. All of these have, have just been revised and the, the assumptions and everything that the people are now using, and it's only basically six months ago that this came into effect, um, those standards have now been increased. So we have to make different assumptions when we're looking at these things. And um, the overall impact, I think, is that uh, that we're going to put in place another series of uh, requirements that are going to ensure the resilience of the city and the safety of the people um, in, in the coming 10 to 20 years. But again, as, as we monitor what's happening with the climate and the weather, we have to look at what the standards are in that context. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, thanks very much for joining us uh, on this morning's programme. Uh, that was um, Ian Brownlee, you heard, uh, Managing Director of the Planning Consultancy Master Plan Limited. Uh, thank you very much. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, audience of RTHK. I'm Paul Chen, the Financial Secretary. This year marks the 95th anniversary of RTHK. I wish RTHK every success in starting a new chapter for public service broadcasting. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. With Hong Kong. And for the last part of this morning's programme, uh, we're going to be uh, hearing more um, about uh, a new cadetship pilot training programme that's been introduced by the Airport Authority's uh, uh, Hong Kong International Aviation Academy. Um, joining us on the line is the uh, president uh, of the academy, uh, Simon Lee. Good morning to you. Simon Lee, good morning. Can you hear us? Hello, hello, Simon Lee. 
I think we're having a, we might be having a problem uh, connecting with uh, Simon Lee at the moment. Uh, we're going to try and get him back. Okay, I'll just tell you a little bit more about uh, this program. So, so this uh, a cadet pilot program. Um, it aims to uh, prepare students to become airline pilots through uh, comprehensive training and examinations. Uh, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think we've got Simon Lee back, but just uh, just give a little bit more background. Uh, it's uh, I think it's in two parts: uh, theoretical knowledge instruction and flying training here in Hong Kong, and then later on, um, eight months of flying training in the United States. Um, Simon Lee, uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, so, um, we were hearing earlier that, uh, obviously, you know, we're going through a period of uh, a global shortage of airline pilots. I heard a figure that something like 250,000 might be needed in the next 10 years, new pilots. Uh, um, uh, how much of an Im impact is your, your new training program going to have? Well, uh, uh, thank you for uh, asking questions. Uh, uh, actually, uh, uh, there will be a huge demand for uh, pilots, uh, according to the forecast done by the uh, Boeing. Uh, in the next two decades, uh, there will be a demand for around 649,000 uh, pilots to support the uh, growth in aviation. Mm. So the demand for pilots is imminent. That is the reason why the Academy uh, would like to launch a cadet pilot program for those uh, who will be interested to become a pilot and to develop a career uh, in the Hong Kong-based airlines. Mm. Mm. So how does this new cadetship pilot program differ from existing cadet pilot programs offered by airlines and I don't know if there are any flight schools in Hong Kong, but... Uh, traditionally, a, a cadet pilot program is, is done by the airlines themselves. Uh, Academy uh, offer this uh, cadet pilot program uh, uh, hopefully to provide an alternative uh, to any candidates, uh, any applicants uh, who wish to become a pilot uh, and to work for the Hong Kong Airlines. The difference between uh, our uh, program and the traditional program, uh, our program will be divided in two parts. Uh, the first part will be uh, the theoretical uh, knowledge, which will be done in Hong Kong. Uh, and the second part will be the actual uh, uh, flying training, and that will be done overseas. Traditionally, both theoretical knowledge and uh, flying will be done in the overseas flying school. That, that is the main difference. Mm. Uh, and you've signed um, memorandums of uh, understanding with uh, Hong Kong Airlines, Hong Kong Express and Greater Bay Airlines. Um, yeah. Does that mean that, uh, um, I, I know they'll, they'll be given uh, preliminary uh, interviews, uh, but, but how about once the, once the cadets have graduated? Um, is that going to you know, improve their chances of uh, getting a job straight away? Well, when... When they have been given the interview, if uh, they will be given the uh, conditional offer, mm. this will be subject to their passing of the uh, fine training uh, at the end. So, uh, uh, I mean, very likely they will be offered a job uh, in their company. Okay, uh, and then the program fee, I understand, is uh, eight hundred thousand Hong Kong. Um, yes. Is 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 that uh, is is that competitive? I think it's very competitive uh, uh, because, uh, as I said uh, earlier, 
uh, traditional training, uh, everything will be done in overseas. So we, we split this training in two parts. Uh, the first part, uh, which is uh, six months training, the classroom training. And that will be done in Hong Kong. That, that saves a lot of uh, uh, money for, for accommodations, lodging. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would say it's very competitive. Mm. So does, does that also cover accommodation for the overseas part of it? Yeah. Uh, mm. 800,000 cover everything. Mm. All inclusive. Mm. And, and so uh, it's, not, it's not spare change sort of like just lying around. Are there any sponsorships or subsidies or grants available to people that might be interested? Uh, I, I'm hoping to get some sponsorship for this, uh, for mm. those uh, 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 students. But uh, we're still in discussions with the, uh, uh, the airlines and, and the government mm. on this. Mm. And are there plans to bring in other partner airlines to the program? At the moment, you have three. Will there are there plans to have more? Well, I, I hope more local airlines can join the program. Yes, mm. uh, we are working hard on this. Mm. Mm. Um, okay. And how many uh, how many uh, <clears throat> cadets are you hoping to attract? You expecting to attract in the uh, initial stages? Uh, I hope the, the response from the. Uh, 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 from the young people will be high, but I, I don't have a figure on this. Mm, mm. Uh, but we, we do plan to launch uh, uh, two to four classes a year. Uh, uh, the class size is uh, 24 students. Right, right. Okay, okay. If um, there is going to be uh, such demand, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the figures, you mentioned figures from Boeing, uh, um, I mean, presumably that is going to make the job um, more attractive, even more attractive than it would be if, uh, you know, if these cadets can be confident that, uh, that they'll be able to find work and good work and, 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 and obviously pretty well-paid work in the future. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the the, the students, uh, they, they will have a choice. I mean, they can choose which airline they would like to join. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, um, as we mentioned before, uh, the program will be divided uh, into two parts, uh, theoretical knowledge instruction and flying training here in Hong Kong, um, and then later on, uh, uh, training eight months of flying training in the United States. Why, why the United States? Uh, a couple of uh, considerations. Uh, uh, first, um, the, the flying school, which is uh, in, actually in California, of United States. The weather there is good, and the facilities, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, quality of the instructors, uh, uh, we have uh, made an assessment on that. They are also of uh, very high quality and they meet all the requirements uh, set by the uh, Hong Kong Civil Aviation uh, Department. Mm. Mm. Is there also like uh, um, in- international standards that have to be uh, complied with? Yes, for, for FE Finance School, uh, which we are going to parlour with, uh, they have to meet uh, the requirements set by the uh, Hong Kong uh, Authority. Uh, and what about um, um, uh, IASCO? Is it the the defiance the school? It's called IASCO. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, okay. And and so um, specifically, uh, they're going to be. Um, I think the students will be trained when when they are overseas in the US. They'll be trained on uh, using flight simulators. Is it? Uh, 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 they will be trained on flight simulator first, and mm. then on uh, single engine aircraft. 
uh, when they have sufficient flying hours, uh, they will be trained on twin engine aircraft. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and at what stage do they uh, move to uh, you know, um, actually flying uh, full-sized passenger aircraft? Well, that that uh, when they have competitive flying training uh, in IESCO, yeah. uh, they will come back to Hong Kong uh, to have uh, two weeks further training on this uh, core multi-crew cooperation training. Mm. Uh, this is a requirement for you know, uh, students uh, working in a commercial airline because uh, for 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 aircraft. Uh, you actually need two pilots uh, uh, to operate, mm. uh, and that is when they get to sit uh, sit in the cockpit with a with a senior captain, uh, like instructing and keeping an yeah, eye on them. Yeah, there will mm. be a senior captain uh, uh, providing instructions to this uh, cadet pilot, mm. so they they have to learn how how to cooperate uh, in fight. If there are students or other people interested online, where can they go to get more information about this program? Uh, 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 they can uh, uh, get the information from our website, uh, the com. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, or, yeah, Google it. Um, yeah, go to the academy website. Uh, um, so, um, yeah. So, uh, how? What sort of time frame are we looking at? Um, um, how long is it going to be? Do you think before the the first uh, graduates uh, are ready to uh, be employed by the local airlines? Uh, we are now receiving applications. Mm. Um, uh, we we are hoping uh, we can launch the uh, first cars in. Uh, end October or November this year. Mm -hmm. So uh, 14 14 months training, uh, it means that the the first uh, graduate probably will be uh, in early uh, 2025. Okay, okay. And sorry, just just one last thing because we're running out of time, but uh, any particular requirements that the the graduates uh, must have, uh, academic qualifications, uh, physical attributes? Uh, uh, applicant must be a Hong Kong resident mm. and age uh, 18 or above, mm-hmm. uh, graduate from secondary school and possess good passes in English and mathematics. Mm. Also be physically fit and uh, uh, qualify for uh, uh, civil aviation department's requirement on medical certificate. Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I wish you uh, all the best uh, with the program. That was uh, uh, Simon Lee, president of the Hong Kong International Aviation Academy, uh, talking about their uh, cadet pilot training program. Um, thanks to our listeners. Um, um, thanks uh, very much to Rainbow, our guest presenter today. Thank you. And stay with us because uh, in a moment we have the news summary coming up, followed by Brunch with Noreen.